Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesday at 10 p.m. on ACB Radio Maine, or wherever you get your podcasts. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Good evening, good evening, good evening, or good afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to Pride Connection. I'm one of your three co-hosts, Anthony Corona. As always, I am joined by President Gabriel lopez Cafati. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pride Connection. And Leah Gardner, Vice President. Hey, glad to be back again. And we have an amazing show for you. It is the first of five Pride shows. Pride Month, June, BPI, Blind, LGBTQ, Pride International. And look for our podcast links on our discuss list and our web pages. Gabriel, why don't we kick things right off because we've got a bunch of amazing guests with us today. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are honored. I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'll let <laughs> all of you listeners out there hear our guests' voices, uh, we have, like Anthony mentioned, an amazing, amazing group of people here. I'm just going to tell you that these are the people who basically crafted the birth of what now we know as our beloved organization, BPI, back then started as a special interest mm. affiliate of the American Council of the Blind under the name B-Flag, Blind Friends of Lesbians and Gays. Um, so without further ado, I am going to let Leah, uh, as one of our founding members, start off and start the conversation with all these amazing ACB and BPI family members. Let's start uh, in Los Angeles in 1999. That's where I start, at least, although our founding member of BPI, who is on the call today, Rob Hill, was involved in the fundamental stages of trying to get ACB to uh, recognize and try to incorporate uh, GLBTQ uh, folks that were visually impaired before our work began to form an affiliate. And Rob, it's awesome to have you on the call. It's been a long time since we've talked. Sure is, it's good to be here. When is it, Rob, that you began holding some informal meetings at the ACB conventions that would eventually transform into uh, the group that we, that we know today? Actually, that process began in 1996 when that convention was in my hometown here in Tulsa. I attended the mid-year board meeting that year and just to see what goes on in the mid-year board meeting. And then in order to invite People who would be interested in such an organization, we put an ad in the convention paper. We didn't have standing to have an actual scheduled convention session, so we did it that way. And uh, they were very graciously willing to put our announcement in, and 
we had a meeting room and people came and that was our start. How was the attendance in 1996? Did a lot of people come? We had several people from the local prime timers group. You know, prime timers, they're older blind people. And we had maybe seven or eight from the mainstream ACB. It's not a bad start. Not bad. Not bad at all. No. 1999, I remember it was my first ACB convention that I went to. I was a little bit younger than I am now. All of us. Yeah, all of us us were. But I remember I read about the um, GLBTQ kind of social uh, meetings that were set up in the Braille form. And I was really excited to have some interaction with, with other people that were blind and GLBTQ. I was kind of worried initially before I went to the convention that I wouldn't really find anybody to connect with. And I can remember on an early Sunday morning going down to the bowels of that hotel in Los Angeles and <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to find that meeting room. It's funny because there are these pivotal points in, in life. One of them for me was definitely walking into that room and meeting all of these new people, many of them who I still know today. And I really feel like I walked into a movement that year. And I can't remember the underpinnings of how it was decided to actually uh, start the process of forming an affiliate that year. But I do remember there was a lot of energy around that. And The events we had were extremely well attended and that feeling that we were poised to launch something really awesome, I I remember was in the air. And I know, Dwayne, that was your first convention as well. Yes, it was. And there there was a a, a great deal of, of energy and it was very dynamic and people were just all of us. And I think some of the energy was, was the excitement about what possibly could happen on uh, the positive side, but also how were we going to be accepted by the overall organization? You know, could and would they allow us to be? There were lots of discussions about that, as I recollect. And really, I remember in that year that we elected officers to, I don't remember if, if, if it was just like just to serve one year or, or just to get things started. I don't remember, but I, I remember that the man who was elected vice president, unless he's showed up at a convention when I wasn't there, we never saw him again. I can't remember his name. Maybe he's out there listening to Pride Connection. <laughs> I do not remember. I do not remember his name. But no, as to my knowledge, he never attended another convention after that. Do you recall, Dwayne, who that was? I really don't. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't either. He was Hispanic mm. and spoke fluid Spanish um, mm. and was really, really excited. But there's a, a little bit of a connection here from that convention that was uh, really kind of cool on my part. So... When I found out about ACB and all that, so I, I called literally the Washington, D.C. office, and I say, 
I'm coming to your convention. I'm a gay man. Is there a group? Is there, are, 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 who can I hang out with? So I was told, well, you need to talk to Rob Hill from Tulsa, <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> so uh, this is back in the day when there was a telephone directory. And if That's you wanted right. somebody's telephone number, you just looked it up in the book. And right. I, just, I just looked up Rob's number and uh, called directory assistance. And I just called Rob and told him who I was. And uh, Rob said, well, come on to convention. And I said, well, I don't know a bloody soul. And he says, just come on. And he says, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be there with three friends of mine. He said, just come on and bunk in with us. They're great guys. It'll be fine. Everything will be great. So, so I did. And so when I got there, I met Harvey. What I didn't realize was the year before I had talked to Harvey on the phone. My VR counselor had me call Harvey, who was then a professor at Brevard College, and he was a blind music professor. I was blind and a musician, so we had a very lovely chat, and Harvey was very positive and he, but he didn't say anything about ACB. We talked a lot about music and, and blind folks teaching music and all of that. So I get to convention and am rooming with these guys. One night, about 11 o'clock, I say to Harvey, did you teach at Brevard College? <laughs> well, yeah. Harvey, do you really like Baldwin pianos? Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, my God, Harvey, I know you. <laughs> we talked last year, and it was a great kind of connection that took a whole year to actually come full circle, as it were. But Harvey has been a great friend and mentor and sounding board and uh, has talked me off of several walls over the last 20 years. <laughs> and well, amazingly, Harvey is here. Well, yes, you know, Harvey's yes. on the show today. <laughs> Welcome, Harvey. <laughs> I was on the fence at that time. You see. <laughs> How many, if any, allies were there in these beginning stages? You know, let me jump in here. This is Chris, Chris Gray. I remember that meeting in 1996. I do recall that convention very well, and I was looking for the meeting of what was to become B-Flag. And I wasn't quite sure how to get there. And so I, I met a friend of mine that I'd known for the last 20 years in ACB. I said, I'm looking for the so-and-so room for the uh, meeting of, of uh, was it called B-Flag then? I don't think so. But anyway, the meeting, he said, oh. Not yet. You, you, <laughs> Not you yet. Don't, you don't want to go there. He says, you're a member of the board of directors. You don't want to... Uh, have your name associated with this. Oh, wow. And I, I thought, I said, you know, the association of my name is irrelevant. I said, I'm a member of the leadership of this organization, and the leadership needs to be there and see what, what we can do to help out. Mm -hmm. And he just walked away. He wouldn't even <laughs> say where the meeting was or anything. <laughs> and uh, he was a good friend. You know, there was there was a great schism in ACB, as there had been a great schism in the NFB. And the people in NFB were thrown out who tried to form an organization. And uh, the fact that NFB didn't do it was not the reason we did do it, but it certainly showed the way of inclusionism and the way to reach out to any blind person who needed 
a place to go. And we knew there was a lot of people who were in the LGBTQ community who absolutely needed a place to go. It was not easy. <laughs> and we didn't have that many allies. Getting back to the fundamental point here. They grew over time. Some people who I thought would be allies proved to be enemies. Uh, some people who I didn't know had strong opinions did. We also had Paul Edwards, and you guys were incoming and outgoing presidents at that time. Yeah. Paul, did, yes. you, did you experience the same kind of uh, reactions from people in ACB and most especially in ACB leadership? At Rob's invitation, uh, I attended a number of, of the meetings that the folks were having in terms of trying to set up and, and talk with them about what I thought were the strengths and the weaknesses of their initial proposals. I was always in favor of B-Flag, but I think Rob would agree. What I said to Rob is, Rob, what you guys have to demonstrate to the board of directors of the American Council of the Blind, if you're going to be recognized as an affiliate, is not only that you're a distinct and separate group, but that there's value to you in being members of ACB, not just to have a place to hang out, because that's not a sufficient reason. I think Chris would agree with that, too, to accept an affiliate into the American Council of the Blind. There has to be an expectation, and this was what I said to Rob all the time, that B-Flag have a connection with ACB, that they have things that they wanted ACB to accomplish for them, that they integrated themselves into ACB, not only not only as an organization, but also as individuals, so that it didn't become, as by the way, I think it did at some times um, during its history, simply a hangout place for folks who are gay. Yep. Yeah, I do agree with that, Paul. I think that's very wise. And jumping many, many, many years, I think that today, the organization has done exactly that and has become an integral part of what ACB has to offer everybody. Right. It took them a long time. Oh, um, yes. Part of my presidency. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> in the very, very early days when I was making programs for uh, conventions before affiliation, I was extremely conscious of the fact that we were going to be a part of ACB. And our programming had to include informality if we related to blindness in uh, the next year after we were in Tulsa to kind of get our feet wet, um, I invited, who was that? Uh, oh, everybody knows her from the Library of Congress to produce a, uh, a bibliography for gay-related recorded books. That's correct. That was the thinking I had. About, uh, every time I thought about programming, I'm very conscious of being a part of ACV and being, and being blind. There was an affiliate, a state affiliate that had some issues and left ACB for a time period once B-Flag was accepted. Can we, I was wondering if we could get both perspectives from the founding members and from the two presidents as to how that came down and, and if that was a stumbling block for BPI slash B-Flag at that point. Well, well I can remember. I don't remember an affiliate leaving ACB. No, I know I, there was a couple yeah. of affiliates who uh, raised a little little dust about it, and there were mm -hmm. individuals who very oh, yeah. publicly, oh, yeah. yes. very obnoxiously, uh, in some cases, left ACB. Yeah. Many of whom have come yes. back, but I don't think any affiliates left per se. After we got our charter in 2000, when we when we all came to celebrate 
uh, and, and have our affiliation status party in uh, Louisville. My memory is that there was a state affiliate who was trying to create a resolution revoking our affiliation status. That is true. It was kind of like a, a, a double-edged uh, <laughs> situation. On one hand, we were celebrating the fact that we had gained what the momentum had started in 1999. And on the other hand, here we were already really worried that we were going to lose that status. And I think I remember being absolutely impressed and overcome by the support that we got at that time from, from you, Chris, and from the uh, ACB board of directors as a whole. Paul took the brunt of that yes. affiliate's anger. He suffered for that. Yeah, we don't have to play games. I mean, it was the Michigan affiliate. <laughs> yeah, and, that's and, true. And there was, and there, were, there was one gentleman in the Michigan affiliate, and I won't name him, who kind of led the charge and was extremely vociferous in terms of his objection. And, and I got lots of calls from him and lots of threats from him and all the things he was going to do to me. you and others. He was. Mm. He was. And, and the truth is, it wasn't B-Flag who was blamed for anything that was going on. It was really Paul Edwards who was the devil incarnate. They thought they could win <laughs> that way. Well, yeah. I can remember Paul's support of the group early along and his advice that I think the group took as far as trying to create something that would be significant and something that would be a part of ACB that could be considered something mm -hmm. that would be worthwhile and worthy of the organization. Otherwise, I think it probably would have just been a hung hangout for guys yes. or gals yeah. or whatever. I was pretty pushy and pretty insistent. Even after the affiliation happened, I kept going back to you guys and saying, look, you need to do more to integrate. It's taken a long time. I, I am absolutely satisfied that, that VPI is absolutely and clearly integrated into ACB now and is, is very well respected. But it, it's taken a long time for the organization to mature, I think. The other thing that I want to say, because I really think it's crucial, I mean, there were lots of people who were involved in the initial formation of B-Flag. But the person who led the negotiation with a kind of a quiet determination and the person who probably did more to negotiate and create an environment where things could be successful was Rob Hill. And, and, and I just want you guys to recognize how much of a hero Rob was and is mm -hmm. for the way that he handled the interaction with the rest of ACB. He was a quiet and determined and capable person who used his powers of persuasion rather than any pushiness. And there were some folks in the formative group of B-Flag who wanted to be much more assertive and much more aggressive in the way that they wanted to push into ACB. And I think the person who kept them in check and who kept the train on the tracks for that period was Rob Hill. And, and I just wanted to say what a pleasure it was to work with him. Thank you, Paul. You were, you were, very, you were an inspiration to me in the way you handle things. I mean, Rob, I, you kept it on a high plane, always. Yeah. <laughs> never swayed from that position. And I appreciated that, that from Rob because I had come in as a 23-year-old, <laughs> you know, whippersnapper. You were a curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> At that young age, too, my goodness.
Oh, the stories oh, Rob can tell. <laughs> But there were some interesting things that happened during the early period. Chris, I don't know if you remember the year of the missing banner. Oh, oh yes, yeah. I do. I hate yeah. to think about it, but I remember. Some of us know who took it, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> just, <laughs> to tell you the honest for... truth, Paul, I do not know who actually uh, took it. I think, was it in Pittsburgh or was it in uh, Alabama? Birmingham. Yeah, I think you were president by then. So I was. Just because folks don't know, B-Flag had gotten this really cool banner and put it up. Someone uh, in the organization overnight came into the main ballroom and took the banner and disappeared it forever. Wow. Um, Never showed up again. And Beefy was not there that was, year. Yeah. Was naturally upset. And and quite rightly yeah. so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clearly they indicated that it had been taken. Clearly they indicated how upset they were. <laughs> but it didn't become a kind of a make or break issue. <clears throat> I, I think it may have contributed though to the next little period in B Flag's history, which was the sort of isolationist period. Almost dormancy. The, it wasn't just that, though. It was a sense, I think, well, if you guys are going to take our banner that we that we took the trouble to pay for and put here, you're saying you don't really want us here. You're saying you don't really like us. Right. And so right. we're an affiliate, but, but we don't have to pay much attention to you in the hell with you. Um, and I really think that was the attitude that, that, That's that, a good that point. operated for two or three yeah, years. Yeah, I, I think you're right, mm. Paul. And the weird thing was about that, I felt myself in an odd situation. I was totally horrified about the whole banner situation. But the early years of B-Flag were very tumultuous, uh, somewhat angry. B-Flag was no friend of mine during my first years of, of the presidency <laughs> because of mm -hmm. their president. And yes. It was hard for me to know how to stand up and say, this is wrong, when a lot of people say, oh, you're just trying to curry favor because they've been giving you a hard time. Yeah. So to be I, honest, I, think we I had said an, virtually nothing. Yeah, we had an yeah. angry head of the organization about that time. Too. You did, yes. and, and that's understandable. I, I got yeah. that, but yet it, it put me in a very weird situation, if you know what I'm saying, Harvey. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I was sort of embarrassed about some of the things that went on there. We got over yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I, BPI and got he, over it, which is the best thing yes. of all. Once he left, once that leader left, and I, I'm not going to mention names, but once that leader left, things became immensely better because he, yeah. he had this awful chip on his shoulder. It didn't just apply to Chris. It applied to all sorts of things. And, and he created, I think, an environment in B-Flag um, that was very unfriendly to the rest of ACB. There was a board of directors that was chosen initially mm -hmm. for the affiliation status. In 2000 in Louisville, an actual official slate of officers was chosen. Rob was president at that point. I was uh, vice president because we'd lost our initial vice president to parts unknown. Uh, we never mm -hmm. heard from him again as, as referenced before. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, Dwayne was on the first board of directors. Yep. Lynn Zelvin, who was a really oh, yeah. effective early member of what is now BPI, was our first secretary. Connie David was our first treasurer. And I believe that Harvey was on the, the, the first board yes, as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Rob was, I believe, president until 2004. Or I had, five. I think I had two terms. 
Connie David became president at that point. She yeah, was I became president. treasurer at that time, too. That's correct. She was president for, I believe, a year. And that's when we had our next president who took over. Um, Butch Arnold became president at that point. And I believe he was president till 2007 or eight. And that's when Don Brown, he was another original participant uh, who was involved in Los Angeles uh, in mm -hmm. 1999. He became president at that point. Don Brown has saved BPI twice in our history. Don Brown was president and then we had Don Wilson. We had an unfortunate situation in 2010 in Reno uh, where Don Wilson became ill and um, the board was unable to proceed with events that year. So everything was canceled. At that point, Don Brown stepped in again <laughs> and saved the organization and became president. Gabe, you might actually be able to help me with this one because I wasn't involved for a few years. I believe that Guillermo Robles took over the presidency in 2013? 2012. 2012 in Louisville. In Louisville. And now we're sort of at this point, entering the current iteration of, of BPI when Will Burley became president in 2014. Gabe Lopez Cafati is our president now. I mean, that's a brief overview. We've been through a lot of change, uh, a tremendous amount of transition. We definitely went through a really isolating, really angry time between 2005 and about 2008. I'm also gonna say about that time period, those three years, it was not a friendly place for women in BPI. It was a very difficult situation at that point, kind of being a female leader in the organization because I felt very much a schism between some of the men who were involved in leadership and the few women who were trying to mm -hmm. become more involved. Since Guillermo took the helm in 2012, it's become a much more welcoming organization for all. If it wasn't a friendly place for straight guys either. I got mm -hmm. invited by B-Flag to become a life member. And you uh, did, and Paul. You are one I, of our and, life members. Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. I did. And the idea was to go out with the group to celebrate that. And we went to this spaghetti place. And there were two or three folks who were there who essentially said, why the hell are you a life member? And what the hell are you doing here if you're not gay? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. It, was, it was a very uncomfortable little get together. And, and, and I absolutely agree about women as well, because it was really a group of gay guys and a group of very aggressive gay guys who, <laughs> yes, for uh, a time. who, who thought they controlled everything and could shape the way the organization was. Yes. And, and yet the organization had, at least for a couple of years, a, a woman who was the president. There are not many nicer people than Connie, so. Yeah, and I and was not one of the... involved during that time um, when she was she president. She was very nice to me. <laughs> I, well, I, I, don't know, I don't know what happened with the transition between <clears throat> Connie and Butch Arnold. I don't know if Connie might be listening. I, I believe she's still a member, and uh, maybe she wants to, to chip in. I'm going to give you, though, an, an example of really difficult time that women had. In 2006, the convention was in uh, Jacksonville. 
I had gone to the, the mixer with uh, a, a female friend of mine and um, we, the, the uh, mixer was being broadcast on the web for people to listen to it. So we were passing a microphone around. What I will never forget is that the gentleman who was sitting next to me in handing me the microphone somehow, some way, accidentally on purpose, tried to put his hand between my legs. So there was this assumption that everybody in that room was male. And it was extremely disconcerting. It was insulting. And I am just so glad that BPI has has recovered and come full circle from that. Because I know at that moment I wasn't proud to be a member of an organization where somebody would... um, take that kind of attitude. I was very disgusted. And in fact, I left BPI for quite some time. It was Guillermo who, who brought me back into the fold in, in 2014. It was a difficult time. We have been through a lot in 20 years. Many of us were not there during those difficult years. We've faced many other challenges in BPI, yeah. but during this new phase of BPI, one of the things that, that we feel very, very proud of is underlining and celebrating the value of true diversity, not only mm-hmm. through the inclusion of women as contributing members, but also as part of our board of directors, and um, definitely highlighting the value and, and the love that we have for our ally members, as has been shown here with Paul and Chris, uh, Paul being a life member, and uh, Chris and uh, Marvalena being huge supporters of many of our events at convention and always friends and always present as part of BPI's core. And uh, now we are happy to say that we have a, a, a good makeup and I've made it a point as president to incorporate and, and to encourage and empower many talented women uh, like Leah to become part of the board. And we have now, if I'm not mistaken, three amazing ladies as part of our board of directors. And we've had uh, some other wonderful uh, girls and, and ladies as part of our board of directors in the past years. So, so that's something that uh, I think reflects the efforts that BPI has made and, uh, and the effort of clearly bringing true diversity to our organization. I think it would be a good time for us to ask the founding members, starting with Rob and kind of going through, and then of course, Chris and Paul from the other side, to ask when you, when you think back at the beginning from gaining affiliate status and going through some dark times, and I think it's also fair to say that right now BPI is one of the strongest special interest affiliates in the organization. When you look back at the progression and you look back from where it started to where it is now, especially Rob, founding founding member, founding president, how do you feel about BPI now? I've got to say I'm astounded, honestly. It all started in my mind when I was talking with my good friend David, who's a member, about the trouble we have as gay blind people of finding other gay blind people to become socially acquainted with. And I was thinking, we're not the only ones who have this trouble. Other people who are blind and gay have these same thoughts and these same interests. Maybe we should get together and talk about that. So that was my beginning uh, point to thinking about an actual organization. So here we are. And it's, it's, it's overwhelming. And I've been so pleased with the 
help of the allies we've had over the years and still do. I had a conference call with Paul, who was president, as we know at the time, and Charlie uh, Crawford, who was the executive director, once afternoon before we submitted our, or maybe as we submitted our affiliation documents. And Paul made the point, like he said before, that we need to make ourselves very much a part of ACP. And his notion had its, had its effect on me. That's kind of how it all started. And I was thinking about a name, and I, we know about PFLAG. It's nationally well-known for, for parents and friends of lesbians and gays. The B-flag has had a resonance with that, and the term friends, blind friends, gave people a chance to be a member but not be gay if they weren't, or if they were gay, kind of hide out a little bit and say, oh, I'm a friend, I'm not gay. It gave a little bit of camouflage to people if they mm -hmm. wanted it. Now, the, yeah. the society is understanding of the gay world has changed in 20 years. Yes, and, uh, very much. I had flack about that friends thing. And like you mentioned earlier, I think that's what you were talking about. So we're uh, out and proud now. I'm very, very <laughs> pleased. Very pleased. I was just going to point out that I believe David is also joining us today, since yes. Rob mentioned. There he is. David, welcome. Yeah. Another yeah. founding member here. Well, actually, Chicago was my first ACB convention, and Rob and I were roommates, and we'd known each other about two years before that, and we started talking about it, and, well, can it be done? And we discussed it and discussed it, and then we finally had a group organizational meeting in Tulsa and on the coldest day of the year, and from coldest there we July. were stand, standing <laughs> waiting for the room, and very nervous about being seen and were associated, but we did do it and we moved on and, and finally in Louisville we did it. I've not been a very vocal part of the organization, but we've discussed with several people privately things that needed to be done and so forth, and I'm very proud to be a member. And uh, the current board of directors is doing a great job with the variety of programs they've put out. So I'm, I'm very pleased with everything. Thanks, David, for your work. One thing I can remember about Tulsa, I guess, was sneaking into the room. <laughs> because I was not <laughs> really out at that time. And uh, <laughs> I was, <laughs> so I was one of those who was a bit hesitant about the whole thing. Uh, I continued, though, working with the organization, as people have said, became part of the board of early along. And I suppose I can remember even when we were having the charter uh, read out, which I was doing at the time to the uh, ACB board. Uh, there were people even on the board who were still hesitant. And I was thinking that perhaps my poor reading of the Constitution uh, maybe gave some sympathy to the organization. <laughs> <laughs> 
Please accept us. Yes, Yes. right. No, uh, Rob handed me this at the last minute, and I looked down. It was a foreign language. I mean, it was uh, in grade (laughs) one Braille. (laughs) I've never seen that since probably the third grade or something. Anyway, everyone was so gracious, though, waiting for me to go through this hesitant reading of the Constitution (laughs) and the bylaws. I think uh, if uh, we had not had the encouragement from Paul, I think uh, Mm -hmm. I myself probably would not have continued in the group. Mm. But I saw that this could be a positive group, something that uh, maybe it is needed and it is necessary and it is something that could benefit more than just gays. And hopefully it has. Well, I've been thinking about it. And I really feel that BPI today has a purpose. Mm-hmm. It has a reason for being. And I remember back in those early years when the purpose wasn't clear, I have just sort of found in, in my own life and in other organizations and in business and just along the way that purpose is the most important thing. If you've got a purpose and a reason and you can state that clearly and lay it out there, then you can have a debate. If a debate is necessary, then you can have the debate. And I do remember Paul Edwards being with us in Louisville when we were literally forming the Constitution. And I was very impressed with his leadership and his willingness to step up and say, you know, you might want to reword that. Or, and there were times when, when he would say, that sounds good. It was just a very powerful and um, very important time in my life. I was legally blind at that time. I had 2200 acuity. So I literally viewed things differently than I do now. But I just really know that BPI is going to make it and always be there. And I really believe that as long as we keep good leadership and as long as we are always clear with our purpose, I think we're always going to be all right and always going to be on the cutting edge. Well, talk about good leadership and full circle. Leah, our co-host, is vice president again and a major she is our membership guru she is our convention planning guru she is part of this program every week and part of so much of bpi a big round of applause malia some dark times she stepped away you came back tell us how you feel you know it's it's interesting thinking about bpi because i feel on some level like the uh, tumultuous path of BPI through its changes has also paralleled (laughs) my tumultuous life and the growth that has come from BPI has also very much influenced me. In some ways, I kind of feel as if BPI has grown up. (laughs) Maybe I've grown up over 20 years. (laughs) Both. An organization and a person. There's a lot of parallels there. Um, There's a lot of learning involved in 20 years. There's pain, there are challenges, there are tears, and so much of it ultimately works into the maturity 
I hope, of an individual as well as an organization. So I think for me, there, there's an amazement <laughs> that 20 years have got, has gone by and that with all the changes and all the frustrations and all the, the sort of inability to figure out a path, both organizationally sometimes and in, in my own life, that we have reached a point that we are at now. I mean, I personally believe that BPI is better situated and more vocal and more active in ACB than we ever have been, particularly this year. We have a just fabulous board. You know, we have Gabe as president, Anthony stepped up, after showing up for the first time, first convention in Rochester last year, you know, to, to be our secretary and, and to take tremendous leadership and, and responsibility. We had a just fantastic convention planning team. Uh, we've had great membership work done this year. And on this, this new venture with the um, ACB radio program, Pride Connection, has been, I didn't know that how we were going to pull this off, but we've done it. <laughs> we do it every week. Our show, our, our show and now podcast, you know, has been received wonderfully. We, we apparently have people are listening to us. We're getting new members every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, we are. It's, um, it's, it's an exciting time. It's a vibrant time for BPI. And I think, you know, 20 years on, I am at a place in, in my life where there's lots of new kind of cool things going on, and mm -hmm. I feel better than I have in many years. I mean, I've, I've been through a lot of personal pain in the time that I've been involved in BPI. And so I'm in a good place, and so is BPI right now, and that's um, despite the difficulty of this world at, at this mm -hmm. moment. But it's thanks no to all the human effort and the yeah. wonderful human resource that we have. Absolutely. Uh, not only as, as part of the board of directors, which I want to, before, Anthony, I know oh, yeah. you, you want, we want to hear um, Chris and Paul uh, and their perspective on this. Just before we hand it over to him, I want to complete the list that Leah started because to me, it feels that the board of directors of this organization as it stands right now it is just an example of the diversity an example of the full rainbow that we are you know we have women we have persons of color we have uh, allies as as board of directors i just want to go quickly through the list we have our treasurer maria christich who's a young very young energetic lady uh, who's a part of numerable organizations uh, within the ACB umbrella. We have our immediate past president, Will Burley, who has been involved in other aspects of the uh, disability field. We have Chris Snyder, uh, who works AudioEyes. with AudioEyes, which is another uh, compliment who has been so uh, so valuable when it comes to audio description in our movies and has uh, had a great collaboration with the audio description project. ACB. We have Holly Karsmarski, one of our allied members. She's part of the board of directors. She's not only cited, but she's a straight lady. Uh, she's part of our board of directors. Uh, we have Kevin Radliff, who has been also, like Rob, has been a very quiet but very determined member of BPI. And we have Dennis Sims, who is also 
had a lot of experience in in the disability field and uh, and is now also part of our board of directors. I wouldn't finish <laughs> with all the great things that I have to say about our about our members, both allied and uh, LGBTQ members. Uh, but everyone who has been at our conventions know, for example, Donna and Al Ellis, who had their own program dedicated because uh, Al passed away, and they have been great supporters. They're both sighted and straight, and they have been, wow, <laughs> the angels of BPI mm -hmm. during convention for a number and of years. It would behoove us not to mention another member of the Pride Connection team who you don't hear from, but behind the scenes, our oh, guru. wow, yes. Tim, Tim Cummings. Absolutely. is our editor extraordinaire and um he puts this the raw material that we give him every week he puts it together into a fabulous fabulous program for all of you guys with a lot of hear. dedication and devotion and both yeah. tim and his wife cheryl are our members BPI members yeah very good very good so, so we have two fairy godfathers, no puns or affiliations intended <laughs> when I say that, of BPI on the call. You've heard them speak already. Paul, Chris, how about your impressions? BPI then, now, and the journey. Chris, you can go first. Let me step back for just a moment and just think about philosophically what we're about and what we're doing. Many of you may know I was an intern for, for ACB in 1976, 20 <laughs> years before 1996. And I had the honor of working for and working with, primarily with, Gerward McDaniel. A couple of weeks after we were getting acquainted, I once said to him, Gerward, what, what is your vision for what ACB is and what it ought to do. And he laughed. He said, well, let, leave vision out of it to begin with. He said, but that aside, he said, our job, as I see it, is to find disenfranchised people for whatever reason and make them a home, a welcoming home. And I have never forgotten that. And those words stuck with me. And that's what began to draw me toward creating or helping to create, I didn't create it, but helping to create B-Flag and, and BPI today. Moving on a little bit more, I think I'd like to say something because people have often given me a good ribbing for supporting BPI. And two or three years into my presidencies, a person who shall remain nameless came to me and I'd been given a, an especially hard time by a few members of, of B-Flag at that time. And the person said, well, I guess, I guess you're happy you created this entity, aren't you? They're so nice to you. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I laughed. I said, well, I said, don't you worry about it. I didn't say anything else because I knew that BPI B flag at that time had to have room to grow. They they had to have a cycle to go through, and I knew I never gave up hope any day of my life that you guys would get it together. You do the right thing, and over time you have. And every year I read your agenda. I come to some of your events, and I'm so yeah. proud of who you are, of what you do, and it just gets better and better and better and thank you for that thank you thank you chris thank Aww. you chris so i think there are three things that i'd like to say the first is that it was a pleasure to have been involved in the founding of this group it was a pleasure because in a lot of respects you guys helped me to grow because i had to accept or at least face the question of whether with all the other stuff that was going on during my presidency, and there were, there, were, there were lots of them, whether I wanted to take on 
another element that was going to, at least to a degree, divide the organization. And what I decided was not only did I want to take it on, but that I felt an obligation to take it on because you guys had convinced me that not only did you need a home, as Chris says, but more importantly, that there were things that ACB could do for you and that you could do for ACB and that your involvement in ACB would broaden ACB's capacity to understand a group of people who, for the most part, uh, ACB had nothing to do with before. And I think that's exciting. If we talk about diversity, we ought to be talking about gay folks as well as about black folks and women. And if we're not, then we're not having a real conversation. And that was the way that I perceived things at the beginning, that essentially this was a whole group of folks who needed an opportunity to become a part of a mainstream organization and to deal with being blind as well as being gay, because there was no place for gay blind people outside of ACB. And it was our honor to have you guys become a part of it. So the last thing that I want to say is I'm still waiting. And Rob will tell you that I told him that I expected some. I'm still waiting for the first VPI resolution for ACB. There must be things that VPI <laughs> wants the support. Now that's good, Paul. I like ACB. that. <laughs> and, and I think it's high time, and you've got a whole year because we're not doing resolutions. <laughs> I know. It's high time that VPI had a resolution that they wanted the mainstream organization to consider. We do oh, have one. We it's, actually... It's and, yeah, and, and, we have, and we had one, right, Rob? We in did. 2014. Yeah. For a resolution to the committee that would insist that our convention city have a non-discrimination policy. You did, and it passed, did it not? It did, yeah, yeah, it did. Yes, it did. So I take it back. But that's only one resolution in 20 years, you guys. Needs to be more. Yes. No, we're working, and we have one, one, and one that's cooking. One in the works. Yeah. Yeah, one in the works is that you know that we're working on, and it's coming. We were planning to bring it to the floor on Schomburg, but you know, the rest is history. So definitely <laughs> Phoenix. And we will look forward to getting it in Phoenix if I'm still on the resolutions yeah. committee. Oh, good. Well, you'll hear from it probably before that time because we'll, 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 we'll look for you for, for advice and for, a, and for a checkup on our resolution, Paul, if you don't mind. Of course. <laughs> if you don't mind me putting you on the spot right here on ACB Radio <laughs> Mainstream. <laughs> I, I would be glad to be a part of developing the resolution. Mr. President. Well, as previously stated uh, in the conversation, there needed to be a place where someone could go if they were blind and they were gay and they were looking for others of that same intersectionality. And as previously mentioned in the conversation, almost a year ago, that was exactly what brought me to the ACB convention. Um, I almost didn't go. And if I didn't, my life would be nothing to what it is today. So I can personally thank every single one of the members of this call for all the hard work, all the passion and energy that you all put into making BPI be flagged back then 
a reality. Gabe, if you could speak for the current BPI membership to the founding members and, and our two fairy godfathers, <laughs> what's your message from BPI to, to everyone on the call today? And everyone who couldn't join us from the founding. <laughs> like Anthony said, everyone here on this call definitely has all of our respect, admiration, appreciation for everything that you have done and keep doing for BPI. I'm going to take a moment of privilege and talk also about the personal way in which each and every one of you have touched my life. I also needed a home. And that's, you know, I, I always almost kind of joke about it. I mentioned it to Debbie Hazelton a couple of weeks ago when she interviewed me for her program. I was convinced that I was the only one in the world. And Rob mentioned it, <laughs> that we had all been in that situation. And it was not until I decided to bite the bullet and open a Google search and type gay blind. And that's where I found B flag huh. back then in 2008. Huh. Yes. And, and it was a life changer for me because... Uh, not only brought me to the ACB family, but also started shaping me as being not only a proud member of the LGBT community, but also made me come to terms with my vision loss and uh, becoming blind. So ACB has saved my life in so many ways, uh, connected me with so many amazing people, definitely all of you here on this call, and has uh, presented me with many challenges that have helped me grow as a professional, as a human, and have molded me into who and what I am today and makes me just anticipate what wonderful thing the future holds, not only for this awesome family's home that we call uh, BPI and uh, under the umbrella and the sheltering of our parent organization, ACB, and all the wonderful people that surround us. And uh, obviously my personal life, uh, you know, BPI, not only a home, but gave me a partner for life right here on this call, Anthony, and amazing friends, some of my best friends right here on this call, mentors like Paul, and uh, friends with whom I share so many memories at convention, all of you, Chris, Harvey, David, Rob, absolutely, Rob, uh, a father and a mentor, and mm -hmm. Duane, so many musical and, and adventures and your hometown and, and other parts of the country where we've had convention. And my very dear friend, Leah, who, you know, we've shared laughters and <laughs> cries and we've been through so much together. And obviously can't forget, and very, very important part, all the wonderful and amazing puppies that are also part of the family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, in short, definitely I'm very excited and very proud. I go to bed every night. And, and one of my last thoughts is BPI and same thing when I open my eyes and <laughs> BPI is always in my prayers. Sorry and, about that, honey. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that I can be the best and give my best to BPI and transfer that to each and every one of our members and honor the work that all of you here on this call have done for 20 years and more and hopefully hand this organization in future to another president who will inherit a healthy and growing and sustainable organization and a vital part of our ACB family. Well, as our awesome co-host Leah often says, time is a cruel mistress and unfortunately she's beating our backs right now. I can't say how grateful we are to have 
had all of you on this call this evening. And um, I think it would only be right and beautiful to ask Rob for any final thoughts. The quiet and stoic Rob, <laughs> Big Daddy of BPI, any final not, thoughts? Not, not so stoic during college football season, <laughs> <laughs> which we don't have. It, it's, of course, it's going well beyond what I thought it might become. Stories like you just told, Gabe, about how it's had an effect on your life and Harley as well and others, others too. It's, it's very gratifying and heartwarming for me to hear that what Dave and I were cooking up so many years ago was come to <laughs> such wonderful fruition. And thanks to everybody who has taken part in its growth, Chris and Paul and many others. I've been very proud and very pleased with the growth of the organization and its character. Thank you for the opportunity to summarize. Thank you. BPI will be turning 21 in 21 in Phoenix. And I hope <laughs> every single member on this call and any other founding members who might be listening will join us at our first ever luncheon and celebrate 21 years. Have a rock blind. <laughs> yeah. Blind LGBTQ. Pride, wine pride. You guys can drink then. That's yeah. right. Uh -huh. It'll be illegal. That's right. We have milestone. And, like, and like Anthony mentioned to all of the founding members who couldn't join us here, I have a specific nudge for someone out there, Don Brown. Hopefully you're listening to this and you better report <laughs> before we get to 21 so we can definitely, <laughs> like Paul said, drink legally <laughs> <laughs> leah tell them where they can find us and sign us out all right so if you have comments or feedback about this broadcast of pride connection or any others or suggestions for future shows you can email us at membership at blindlgbtpride.org you can also go to our website if you want to check us out there or Hint, hint, become a new member at mm -hmm. blindlgbtpride.org. We will be back again with another Pride-related program next week. But until then, be safe, stay well, and good night. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. They will find it. The rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers.